Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Michaels. <laughs> You're not Joel Michaels. Well, when I wanted to be an artist, I didn't like Joel Hilton, and I was going to be Joel oh, Michaels. Really? Yeah. You don't want to be associated with the other Hiltons out well, there? Well, they're always like, how's Paris doing? <laughs> Back when Paris Hilton was a thing. You poor thing. That's the that's what you got in school? Mm-hmm. No, not in school. I guess that would have been... Later. Just... After high school, maybe. Well, uh, yeah. So So he wanted to try to start this differently than we normally do. And I said, do you have any ideas? I guess that was that your idea. And I was just, just flow with it. Just go with it. But that was a mistake I can see right now. To me, that sounds like a very Christian contemporary artist. Joel Michaels. Joel Michaels. Maybe it's the Michael W. Smith. I don't know. Well, it sounds like a pop star, which that is not... What I am. <laughs> you're, you're you're more in the Chris Stapleton world. Oh, is he considered if I a pop could sing star? Like that. Now he wouldn't be. He had country blues. Mm. Yeah. Joel Michaels doesn't sound as much no. country blues. Well, I'm Katie Stansfield. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Life Exchange. Well, I was trying to coach mom with comedy, and I was like, she told me when she was in the FBI, they used to call her Mel Mel. You can go to hell or something like that. And I was like, why don't you lead with that? And she didn't oh, like it. Oh, was that comedy? <laughs> I thought, I like thought I you said, were just bringing that when up. When you be you and she <laughs> is her, that's when it's the funniest anyway. <laughs> was that comedy? That was until I got saved. And then when I got saved, then they called me Mellow. Yeah. That, and the end. That's the whole story. That's the whole story. <laughs> we thought it was a long before story. Before and after Christ. <laughs> before Christ, it was Mel Mel, go to hell. Yeah. Mel Mel, everybody can go to hell. Hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I like wish just for a, like a moment, like I could watch you at that era. Oh, no. Just for like a, like a documentary or something. <laughs> <laughs> and That's... then snap back to now. No, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> that wouldn't you, be good. You, you wouldn't like this one. You wouldn't relate to that person. I don't Probably relate not, to that but person I anymore. I think it would be interesting. It, I look back and I'm, I mean, I don't cringe anymore, but. Uh, Sometimes so, you'd say, you'd tell stories or you'll say a story to me and you'll go like, I wouldn't share this. And I'm like, why not? Why wouldn't you? Like, I've, I've never heard you say something that I was like, <gasps> maybe just because I've. I heard enough stories at this point. Yeah, you've probably heard many stories. Not, I was not preaching your youth stories, the other, other week and stories. I shared a couple stories and Layla's eyes got big. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, you never heard this before, did you? <laughs> you know, I go, yeah, I guess that's not something we talk about. <laughs> you're just mem. You're not. Yeah, you're, just, yeah. you're not mel mel. Everybody can go to no, hell. No, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember what. I don't think I said that to them. I can't remember what it was. But um, yeah, they heard some stories. <laughs> the power of a transformed life. <laughs> yeah. So what are we talking about today? That's a great question. I'm so glad you You're asked. You're the one. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about family dynamics and uh or no? Or yeah. Not. Yeah. Family <laughs> dynamics. And so you're just seeing family dynamics. Family dynamics <laughs> lived out. <laughs> Yeah, you, you guys can you were talk not to born each other in my pre-Jesus days. Was I was I funny when I was a kid? Yes, you were. You were funny, very assertive. 
Mm-hmm. And then life just beat me down. <laughs> you were always on the move, always doing something. You remind me, really, Maxwell reminds me a lot of you. You were trying to beat the fun out of me. Oh, but I you, rose got above. <laughs> you got whooped. You got whooped. I remember thinking, I'd rather get spanked by dad than mom. Because <laughs> her aim was not so good. No. <laughs> we, and we had a switch. Yeah. Yeah. I lived at the time where you would have to go pick your switch out. See, mm-hmm. now, for those of you who are younger, a switch is not a video game in this context. <laughs> yeah. A switch would be a a tree branch. Is that yeah, it would be a torture a device? Uh, yeah. It was a very thin branch so it didn't it would wrap harm. around so it was like a it whip. didn't harm it didn't hurt harm but it hurt mm. <laughs> i think our memory of this it. is very different <laughs> <laughs> you um i mean you could have a little well it depends whether it was on a bear butt or like layla <laughs> said to me the other day like about uh her getting a spank and i was like I can't even remember the last time that has even happened. Oh, no, she said about using a belt. I said, I've never used a belt. She's like, well, yeah. I'm like, okay, like, get get your information correct. She's fabricating a little bit there. Yeah, hey, this is all past the, what do they Statute call it? Statute of limitations. Statute of limitations, yeah. I feel like, yeah, my generation was the last... The last for that to be norm, social norm, spankings. Aiden got a few, Layla some, and then Maxwell, he held out the longest, <laughs> but he's he's coming around. So he's coming around like I, like I mean his I time can't even remember the last toe. time he got a spanking. I mean yeah, it was not even a spanking. It's like get the. The what do you call it, the spatula? Yeah, that was ours. Was kitchen utensils? Yep. But I don't. I don't. It didn't take. You weren't that. You. It was mostly when you were younger. Do you remember getting any spankings when you were older? She beat with a guitar that one time. Well, I know with Aiden, it's like. Oh no! I threatened. Oh. <laughs> At a certain, Aiden was so tall from the very beginning, so. It's like I can't give someone a spanking when they're almost as tall as me. But he's only five years old. <laughs> Come up with other methods. Yeah, like I said, really spanking was like a last resort for us. Not yeah. saying it never happened. It might happen a few times, but guys- mostly, mostly it was uh, sitting down. And I got to the point like with Maxwell, it's like, would you like a spanking or would you like to talk about it? Sometimes he was so mad he just wanted the spanking. <laughs> <laughs> but he had the option. Well, well, we family are on topic. dynamics. We are on topic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll cut this out. <laughs> Why? Well, I don't know. I don't either. So we're talking about family <laughs> dynamics. <laughs> Yes, we're talking about family dynamics today. Um, just we'll leave it kind of broad until it narrows itself, but um, about how our family of origin kind of shapes us uh, as people and where we go from there. <laughs> family of origin, what does that mean? So your mom and your dad and your siblings, not your kids. So oh, I, terminology kids, makes me origin. laugh. You, would you were be born, like, I get you were it, born it's like, into this family. 
Why can't so the, I just say that? Well, because like like my friend the other day, she said my family, but she had to clarify she didn't mean her parents. She meant like her unit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. Just terminology. I feel like I need so many definitions for you sometimes. <laughs> family of origin. Oh, your mom and dad? Oh, okay. Yeah, your mom and dad. Your mom and dad and your It siblings. just sounds very like... Uh, Clinical? Yeah, or even like um, talking with your therapist. My family <laughs> of origin uh, was abusive or like... Your mom and dad, you mean? Or it could be the family that, even the family you grew up in that might not have been biological. Yeah, I just think we come up with terms that, because we try to be so like, well, there's so many expressions of what this looks like. So let's come up with a term that... I feel like family of origin sounds like prehistoric. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Are we we talking about ancestors? Oh, I guess. I'm part of the McCollum clan in... In what is it? You're part of the Hilton clan in um, from England, Scotland, Ireland. The Hilton clan. That's the Hilton. Hilton is very English. But I'm not related to Paris. No, I don't think so. Okay, Paris Hilton. (laughs) Well, did you guys have a launching off point? Do you want me to start? You can start. I guess I don't know if this is just common like knowledge or not, but like our personalities as uh, humans are developed. We talk so much about personality. There's so many personality quizzes and templates and all of those things, but that actually is derived when we're quite young. Um, And typically that's coming a lot from our Family of origin. It's coming from the family. Well, now we grew I know up what it means. In. Yes. <laughs> so it does. Like our family of origin shapes us in many ways. Um, our personalities can can be adapted from that time. Um, also, like just our code books. Um, I just I just remember like um, I was homeschooled, so like I was with my family a lot. Uh, we did get out. We were not unsocialized. Just for all the homeschoolers out there, it was, it was a great life. But but we I went do, to the library. We did. We went to the library a lot. We had a lot of groups. <laughs> we went to, I was like, we were so socialized. We went to the library. Well, to the library where you're not allowed to talk to other people. Or <laughs> 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 um, yeah, where was I going? I'm sorry. Oh, code books. books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you just don't realize sometimes until you are in another environment. Like, did you ever, as a kid, you thought something was totally normal. You went to a friend's house. They did it very different. And you were like, your your little mind was blown (laughs) because you're like, whoa, I didn't know there was another way of doing this thing. I didn't know we could have snacks in the house. That was my thing. We, my mom was very sugar conscious. So like if we, and also we were like, we didn't have the most money. Yeah. So you got like one Oreo and it was an off-brand Oreo. So like when we went to a friend's house and they were like, yeah, have as many Oreos as you wow. want. We were like, what is, is this Is that life? why you're addicted to them? It felt like a sin. Because there's like a psychological thing. I, I like, am like a binger. So maybe it was like, now's your chance. Now's your <laughs> chance. <laughs> Eat them all. 
something. Yeah, I've, I've been delivered from buffets. It's like before. It's like if we're going, we're gonna make our we're gonna make our money. I would like a buffet that was private and clean, just for me, <laughs> not open air to the public. But anyway, yeah. So we all have different code books that um, form because of like our immediate little little family unit. So um, yeah, like I thought we could just talk about. How family shapes How us. How family shapes us, yes. Beyond those things I mentioned or along with them. Well, every family is its own unique little culture. Yeah. And so when you're engulfed into a culture, as you said, you know, personality is an adaptation. Mm-hmm. You begin to adapt, to fit in, to be celebrated, to be loved, to be accepted. So you uh, adapt how you think, how you feel, what you believe to fit into that culture. And that begins in family. And then, of course, it branches out the older that you get. But yeah, every family is different because it has its own unique culture. What is accepted in one family might not be accepted in the other. So you grew up shaping the way you think and what you believe based upon that that bidding uh, that place. Now, if there's difficult things in that culture, then you might want to become the opposite of that. So either you conformed to it or begin to resist it because of how it affected you. Well, it can look very different. I have four sisters. Mm-hmm. We all have drastically different personalities. Right. We like our formation looks very, very different, even though it was the same mom, same dad, same family you know, dynamic. So it's not like you're all going to look the same in that family, but there are, there are threads Mm -hmm. for each of us. Like, like perhaps our like belief structure, the way that it started then is much different now as we've gotten outside of it and have, you know, discovered other ways of thinking thinking and believing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Go ahead, Joe. We've hit a lull. Hit a, lull. <laughs> a podcast's worst nightmare. <laughs> I kind of was thinking about this topic more in like, like what what is the original purpose of family? And I think that family was designed or part of our human experience because it's there to shape individuals. It's there to shape cultures. It's there to shape societies. And that's why you can see in Scripture that God continually called people out, right? Mm -hmm. Called people out to be set apart for him. So he created a family. He created a kingdom that would represent him. And you do that by calling people out of, I mean, even with Abraham, leave your family. I'm going to take you to a place that you don't know yet, but just go in that direction and I'll let you know when we get there. So... The general idea for family, obviously, it's reproduction and the advancement of human life in like in its most basic sense, but it's also um, to shape culture, to shape society. And that's why people in power want to destroy the family unit because they want the power to shape society. They want the power to shape culture. I was just thinking of this question, not necessarily in a micro sense, but more in a macro sense of why families are important to all of humanity, <laughs> our human experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it it is, the family is that we're born into a family. So that's 
what we know. And when that family represents God, then it's a representation of the kingdom. Uh, if if or the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. That's really a powerful statement because it's saying that what happens within the family unit will affect someone for the rest of their lives. And here I am, you know, I'm in quote unquote what they call the third trimester of life. You know, I'm past the quote unquote retirement age. So the fact is, what happened in my life, in my family, all those years ago, literally still impacts my life today. So um, I've for changed. For better or for worse, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's true. Because there, there are experiences that we had. Of course, my dad died when I was very, very young. So I grew up without knowing what it was like really to have a father. Mm -hmm. So that shaped me into the place where even when I got saved, I didn't relate to God the Father. I could relate to Jesus because I had four older brothers. I don't know if that was a good correlation for me at that time or not. <laughs> but um, the fact is I could relate to a brother. I could relate to, you know, the Holy Spirit that I could comfort, but I couldn't relate to a father because it wasn't my experiential reality. So really what happens in our family, how, uh, how we are parented, how we parent, we are shaping lives. And you know, if you think about it, Joel, you are spending so, you're putting a lot, a lot of effort into investing into your kids uh, for emotional maturity. Yeah, spiritual maturity, emotional maturity, uh, assuming personal responsibility, the things that you believe will empower them to be successful in life. And when the world is shaking, they're going to have this 18 years or more of foundation laid into them that they will be resilient, they'll be strong, they will be emotionally mature. That's a goal. You want them to have educate All those things you're investing into them, oh my gosh, that is shaping them so powerfully. But when a child is left to himself, the Bible says, it brings the mother shame. It brings shame because they are not invested into. And so we can look across the gamut of society. And when you look at someone and you go back to that family of origin, you say, oh my gosh, now I can see why they're struggling with security. Now I can see why they're living in fear. Now I can see this and understand that because it shapes how someone thinks and what they believe and how they respond to life. So really, you know, uh, even without over-spiritualizing this at all, the fact is what has got our attention has our direction. Who we hang around, we can become. It shapes the way we think. So it's adapted so it can change, but there's always, even in the realm of personality where you can change up to 35% of your life, that thread is still there. Mm-hmm. It, On the it, DNA level, is that what you're saying? No, no, not the DNA level, adaptation level. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we recognize there's giftings we carry, who God created us to be, our identity in him, all those things he put inside of us in our mother's, world, uh, mother's womb, be, well, before the foundations of the world, actually. Mm -hmm. He chose us in him before the foundations of the world. 
So he put everything inside of us we would need to be successful. So praise God for what he planted inside of us. He He's the ultimate father. Um, but in our family, there was a shaping of thoughts. Isn't it true, Joel? You know, we've had many discussions and you've shared maybe a battle you face. And I said, well, the apple didn't fall far from the tree because that's exactly <laughs> how I was. That's how I trained you to be. So it's something that you are overcoming at this time in your life because that was a part of who I was as a young mother. You know, the shame I carry, the different things I carry, the fear I carry. Why do you, do you like snakes now? Can you? Nope. Nope. Uh, the apple did not fall far from the tree. I trained you to be afraid of snakes. I don't know if that was trained in me or that's just... Because there was a lot of snakes where you growing up. <laughs> I just didn't like them. No, no. But I think, you know, but that was just, there's just so many things you don't realize are woven into you because that's what you've heard over and over and what was modeled before you. So uh, I do not believe it's necessarily who we are, but it shapes us not necessarily... Not that there can't be spiritual dynamics, but when I receive Jesus, I am born again. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. God is my father. But it's the effect that it has upon my soul, which is my mind, my will, my emotions, which is where my habits and my beliefs and um, are. And so that's why when we've grown up in something, when you talked about personality, 75% of our personality is shaped by the time we're three. 100% is rooted by the time we're seven years old. So in those first seven years, specifically five years are really foundational years of a, a, a child's life. And that does shape us. So what, what we do as parents, as leaders, as individuals, really, you know, I do a lot of things in this realm. So I could say, work with you, Katie, and you go, yeah, that's the way I thought since I was, I can remember. I mm -hmm. can't remember thinking any other way. And that's that's because it's come from our family of origin, or we've been taught. Somebody taught us something. Taught or modeled or... Yeah. It was taught or my experiences, maybe the trauma. There was things that happened for me in the younger years of my life, uh, abuse, that my family was not even aware of, but it happened in that uh, foundational season of my life, the foundational years, that that majorly affected my future because of when it happened. Uh, and that was not my mother's fault. It was not my father's fault. It was not my family's fault. But it was those things that happened to me that they had no idea uh, were going was going on, and that shaped me. So there's a lot of things that can shape us, but the fact I know I had a good father. Do I remember him? No, but boy, I heard my whole life how good of a man he was, how godly of a man he was, and my older brothers talking about him and and how he did things, and so I grew up knowing I had a good father, even though I personally didn't have him for many years, but I had an amazing mom. Yeah. I wonder if that influence or that shaping tends to be at some point more subconscious because, you know, I've seen people, the moment they 
move out or they go off to college, they could rapidly change in a short amount of time. That can look very different than their their upbringing. Um, and so I guess my point is just because most of our life was in that environment doesn't destine us to a certain type of way of thinking, um, even though it was in those formative years. Now, I think it can affect us on a subconscious level. And as soon as you said that, you are exactly right. That's what it is. And the same thing, I functioned a certain way and I could not wait to leave home Mm -hmm. because then I could really be what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And um, But I didn't because my, my mom, my mom went through a whole lot. She was an amazing woman. And um, so, like, I was an extreme person, but I didn't want to do anything for my mom to hurt. I felt very protective over my mom. And um, so I was waiting till I could leave home so that I could let her rip, you yeah. know? And that's what I did. I I was very different than my upbringing. And then, um, but now throughout life, there were so many things that I see was really seeded. Uh, but when I got saved, that really brought transformation, you know. Just because you have had had a good upbringing doesn't mean it sticks. Just because you had a terrible upbringing doesn't it mean, mean that that yeah. sticks as well. Right. But there still is a shaping. Sure. There, There is something that takes place on the inside of us. Hey, well, good case in point for you, Joel. Uh, God was the perfect father. Look what Adam and Eve did. Yeah, I mean, look what they did. So it wasn't the father's fault because you can't get more perfect than that. But but there was an enemy who seeded thoughts, Mm -hmm. which began to pervert how they perceive something. And um, so you are exactly right. Uh, But family of origin still is very, very rooted. And that's why I love that scripture, train up a child in the way he will go. Uh, because when he, he's old, he won't depart from it. Because when we establish things, you know, we can, we can call it the prodigal. That doesn't mean every prodigal is going to return, but how many of them do? Like, even though my family, we went to church, uh, I wasn't saved. The church didn't preach salvation or a I wasn't saved, so I don't know if it did or didn't. I don't remember. But because my mom loved God so much, and she was all, we read the Bible, you know, we did those things, that at that point in my life, I said, God, if you're there, do something in my life. So those seeds were there, um, that there was a God, because my mom never let me forget, <laughs> you know? No matter how old, I mean, she kept pouring it in there. Anybody who knows my mom could picture that. And um, so those seats were there, uh, but but we are very much. And even now I see little things coming out that I realized were seated from that. That's why these beginning years. That's why I wanted to state the original purpose, at least what I believe the original purpose was, in in God's eyes would be mm-hmm. to shape individuals, shape cultures, shape societies. Mm-hmm. And so if it's done through God's intention, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. When it's not, which happens very often, is 
not great, you know? So I guess maybe the next thought or the next question that we could talk about is, you know, how do we reckon with maybe negative or perceived negative um, ways that our family has formed us? Let's say you're in a place of like, you're like, family was not a good thing for me and it really put me in a bad place. So how do you reconcile that? Well, I think like even we were saying earlier, like you could, you could have the perfect parent and, um, and things still shape us. Um, and I, I just look and see, it's almost become like satirical, like with therapy, you go into therapy and mm. what's the first thing we're going to talk about is mom and well, dad. Tell me about your, <laughs> tell me about your family life. Um, because really no matter what, whether they were a wonderful parent or not a wonderful parent, it is, it does shape our story in some ways. Um, and I think like the older that I get and, um, maybe it's just because I, I am in the, in a, uh, a time in history where therapy is more like talked about or normalized, but like I could totally see like what I would want one day is for my future children to be in therapy and to talk about the things <laughs> that I did wrong <laughs> because I will do things wrong. And I think, you know, parents are going to do their best. Hopefully some parents are just not good parents to be honest, but, um, I think it is important that we recognize, Hey, there were things that happened even with the best intention that hurt me um, or that, um, you, you know, they might not have intended to hurt me, but it did cause harm to me in some way to be able to recognize that that happened, like that those things did affect me. And then what am I going to do with it? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you're going to be able to go to your parents and work it out. Many times you're not. So what are you going to do with it? So like, I think we could talk about like, if you had a horrible upbringing with just not a good parent experience, but I think we could kind of hold it kind of the same as if you had really good parents, either way, it is going to have some kind of effect on you. So yeah, like, what are we, what do we do with that? How, like you said, how do we reckon with those things? I think one of the first thing, especially because we're probably talking to more believers, is give people grace because they are probably modeling what they experienced or uh, how they adapted to their world, how they have learned to survive. And the fact is, life is not fair for any person on the planet. Mm -hmm. You can have the best parents in the world, but life is still not fair. And um, and those things shape us. And uh, I don't believe it's just what happens to us. It's what happens in us, how we perceive it, how we process it, what we do. And I think one of the best things we can do is if we, if there really was a woundedness there, I got stories about my brothers. I'm telling you, I got stories. And, uh, but you give grace because one, they were a work in progress. They were kids too. They lost you, their dad as well. Yeah. Yeah. They were a lot older, but yeah, they lost their dad as well. And, um, the, the fact is you just, you just give grace, mm -hmm. you give grace and you forgive, uh, because 
I am not perfect. I never was perfect. So if I want forgiveness, if I want to be washed from those things um, and be cleansed from, you know, gain a renewing of my mind, you know, have my mind renewed in a line with what God says about me, not what I believed about myself for that renewing of the mind. If I want that forgiveness to, to be freed, I want to give that to others. I, I believe it's Lewis Mead that he said to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. Mm -hmm. um, and so giving people grace and forgiving them, it can open up beautiful doors for even healing in relationships, but also bring freedom so I can process through anything in my life uh, that needs to be processed through. Uh, because so often, isn't it true, if we're dealing with something, our propensity is to find blame, to cast blame, and um, and to forgive is to remove that. Yeah, and sometimes that does mean uh, really acknowledging what you didn't have or mm -hmm. what you did have that was negative. Like if you did have a parent or a sibling who was abusive to you, like just kind of sitting with the fact that you did not have the relationship in family that you should have had. And um, so it's forgiving and letting it go. But also like, I, I think part of that process can really be like, like, man, this, this shaped me in horrible ways and it shouldn't have been that way. And, and processing through the loss of what you didn't have or what happened. And because life isn't fair for anyone, there isn't a person on the planet who hasn't experienced the loss. Something that God originally intended that they didn't have. And, um, you know, I can go back from the place that I'm at now. And if I would go and parent my babies again, my toddlers again, my elementary, that was the hard years, the elementary school years, <laughs> and do that again, I would do it very, very, very differently. And because so many things I projected onto my children was from my own shame. So they needed, you know, I wanted them to get good grades because that made me feel like a better parent. Remember, you guys had to be soldiers in church. You couldn't make a sound, you know? <laughs> and if you did, one, two, three, that's, that's the switch. Boom, boom, boom. You know, and because I didn't want to be embarrassed. So it was my fears. It was my insecurities. It was all the junk from my past that was projected onto them. So hope oh, did you ever forgive me? I suffer from good parenting. <laughs> you suffer from good parenting? Yeah, I suffered from good parenting. Um, like over-parenting? No, what I'm saying is like when you go to the therapist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know what? I think you're dealing with your parents were wonderful, <laughs> and that can be a difficult thing at times. <laughs> I recognize my parents weren't perfect. I recognize, you know that it wasn't always done well. And, and part of that is because they were honest with it. So I, I just, I just feel like, and I think this goes back to that, um, victim mentality. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we just give so much power to other people yeah. that we allow 
certain circumstances just to affect us for our entire life when it could have been a thing where, um, how can I put it? It could have been a tragic moment, but it doesn't have to keep on affecting my life from that point on. Right. Now, I know that healing has to come, revelation has to come, a healing process, all that stuff. But um, I, I, I just find sometimes people can hold on to things that... There's there's a comedian that I listen to, and he has this like running bit. Um, he's like, forgive your dad. <laughs> like sometimes he's just like, like somebody will be protesting like something just totally crazy. <laughs> and he's like, sit down and forgive your dad. <laughs> like yeah. it's so, it's so like shaped that person to where they're yeah. this way. And he's like, you don't even care about that thing. Like just f- go forgive your dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in a lot of these questions or topics, you know, I have my list of things. So I have a few things like statements and you guys can add to them if, if you want. But uh, the first thing that I thought of was recognize it's impossible to change the past. Exactly. Like if you just, you realize you can't go back and redo That's it. That's right. It's Get not going. back to the future, you mm-hmm. know, recognize what it was mm-hmm. and, and, make a choice from this point on. And this kind of goes with that, but recognize what it was, not what it could have been. Mm, that's See, good. I feel like a lot of times people are like, well, they were my parents. It should have been this. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're probably right. It should have been, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about it now? What are, what choices can you make now that your life can then be life-giving and fruitful? Mm-hmm. But if we're always stuck in, it could have been this, mm-hmm. well, you're going to be stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is don't stifle your ability to move forward by answering the questions of why did this happen? Mm. I mean, I would not necessarily in family things, but like there were things that I was hurt by relationally and I was just stuck in this cycle of, well, why did this happen? Mm. Why did they do this? And those were questions that could not be answered. And they were questions that won't ever be fulfilled because the relationship was over. And so I just had to move on and not understand why and not try to rationalize it or not try to figure it out. Just recognize it was what it was. What am I going to do about it? I'm going to take back my power and move forward because I'm not going to let this thing cripple me the rest of my life. I'm not going to be afraid to do certain things because this could happen again. And and there is some level of wisdom to that, but you have to be careful. Like mm. you can't always, because fear can really look like wisdom in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful with that. But I can't let this this hurtful experience continue to hurt me the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, uh, and I think that goes with family because, you know, family has... Um, dynamics. Dynamics, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, when I say this, I'm not talking about extreme cases because some cases are extreme and and it doesn't necessarily fit into the type of conversation that we're having. Um, but it's amazing how much clarity and compassion you have or that you receive when you raise a kid or a child like yourself. <laughs> you know, like my parents were so this... Well, have you raised yourself because you're a little... You're a lot. You're a lot. That was a nice way to put it. 
you're more than enough. And uh, <laughs> like one of my sons is like, you have to turn off the words at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so I just instruct him now be like, when you come in here, I want you to really think what you want to say and just get to the point. I think, I think one of your sons took the other son's words and just has all of the words. Sucked it right out because <laughs> one son, it's like, you need to give me something. How is work? Good. Okay, I'm going to need more than that. <laughs> then the other one will find things to talk about. So that's my point. It's like when you actually are in the shoes of being a parent, yeah. it's amazing how much compassion and clarity you'll have when you actually have to raise someone like you. And the the reason I say that is the things that bother me about my kids sometimes are me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I say these things or like I would have done that. And that irritates me, but it's things, it's things that irritate me about myself. Yeah. So, well, and would you also say the sa same raising someone who's completely opposite of you. Well, that can be easier. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, I guess probably it has different, different has challenges. Di yeah. And, yeah. But like I said, the, the thing that really will irritate me as a parent is like, oh, I would have said that or <laughs> I would have responded that way. You know, I'm not a super social person, but I want to try to improve my son's life and so, yes, I would have probably be making these choices right now, but it's not good. I know that I'm a hypocrite right now, <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm being funny. But yeah. there's some extreme cases that this doesn't fit into, like horrific abuse. That's not what I'm talking yeah. about. I'm just talking about, you think you know everything at a certain age. I, I My dad was talking and he gave a quote about uh, uh, Mark Twain. And it was like, yeah, when I was this age, I thought my parents were complete idiots. When I got this age, I realized they've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so you don't know, like, sometimes you're just harder on people than than you have to be. And you just, like you said, you just got to extend grace. There's even so much, like, psychologically, and I don't know, I can't get deep into it, but there's so many studies on memory and how, like, siblings could be raised they could be in the exact same room through a, a situation and they have very different mm -hmm. actual memories of what yeah. happened so sometimes it's like you really thought it happened one way yeah and it might not have even happened that way so yeah like I, i've seen a parent or a child grows up and they just had a horrible relationship with their parent and they eventually like come to a head with it. And the parent goes, Oh my goodness, that's what you thought happened. Yeah. And it's this like breaking open because mm -hmm. it didn't eat, like, there were so much more going on than our like little, um, you know, processors could handle or, or what we were seeing in the moment, what we were being protected from, what they thought they were doing a good thing to keep us safe. And we perceived it as the opposite. Like there's just so much yeah. in parenting. So you're kind of saying like memory is not the best. No, no, it's evidence. not. And they actually say when you, every time you retell a story, you re-solidify the memory. So you can yeah. literally change your brain's yeah. memory of yeah. what happened each time you tell it. So it's, no, it's not good. And what, as kids, what are we doing? We're looking back on memories that could be very fractured. Well, you think when you're three years old, you 
view and experience through a three-year-old yeah. intellect yeah. and how a three-year-old might feel. And then maybe another sibling is five years old where they're viewing it through a five-year-old intellect. And, and those things are huge. And I remember uh, even in my own life when I was working through, through a lot of you know sexual abuse trauma, when I, I kept thinking, Melody, you were two or three years old. So this thing might have been much, 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 much bigger to a two-year-old than if I would have been 15 years old or 12 years old. Mm -hmm. and, and so I began to process and say, my memory is from that age of maturity. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, and I don't even know because there was no therapist or they didn't have that in the body of Christ. And I was in ministry. <laughs> so you don't go to anybody, you know? So it was just me and Jesus literally. And, um, but that was one big like revelation I had. Melody, you were only two, you were only three. Yeah. And so I looked and I say, okay, do I want to lean on, you know, the intent? Yeah. It had great intensity because I was just two. Mm -hmm. But so it really, I had to come to the point, it's not what happened to me, it's how I perceived. So my perception created my reality. So my responsibility is to deal with my perception and confront that so I can walk in a true reality of who I am in God and who God is in me because in those moments, that was a child thinking that way, mm -hmm. an immature child. And it's true because you could say, you know, I separated my child to protect him and they felt abandoned. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. You know, why are they separating me? No, we put you in a safe place. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's so many things that can happen uh, in, you know, those formidable years uh, that, you know, we're understanding those things more now. But when my kids were little, we didn't know anything about neural memory or, <laughs> you know, any of those things. Uh, I didn't even know about those things and I was going through my healing. And so now that we have like neuroscience and recognizing that we have the ability uh, to rewrite our story. Quite that physically, yes. Pardon? <laughs> even physically. It will affect us physically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so. you were talking about memory. I, you know how I said it. Like I'll watch crime things or court things. Maybe, maybe because I wanted to be in law enforcement at one point. Mm -hmm. But that's one thing that they're finding. Like sometimes eyewitness is not a reliable yeah. form of because people have gone to prison for a long time based on eyewitness, and it wasn't always. Now. I'm not saying someone like purposely lying, but they're just speaking from their own experience of it, which might not even be, be based in reality. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if this kind of applies to that, but you know how at a football game, mm -hmm. they have so many different referees, each looking from a different perspective mm -hmm. because you just couldn't have one ref because they wouldn't have the ability to see it clearly. And also it happens so fast. True. Yeah. That's why a lot of these sports leagues, you know, they're debating if they'll just go to like uh, instant replay because you can look at it at a slower speed to make a better judgment. 
Yeah. Katie's like, I have nothing to say about this. No, I, I, I not about sports, yeah. but memory. Well, um, have you ever read Malcolm Gladwell's stuff? No. He wrote a book called Talking with Strangers, and it's um, I'll butcher the premise, but it just talks a lot about like how um human perception of people is so often <laughs> incorrect yeah. at, at a basic premise. Mm. So it's just, you know, in, in family, yeah, it affects us. Um, but a lot of times it is as murky <laughs> as um, the muddiest mud. It's just not, it's not easy. It's not clear cut. So we are all going to deal with these type of things then it's just, what do we do with it? And I think like, you know, walking through forgiveness, owning what happened, like, um, like, like you said, like it, it happened that way. You can't go back and change it. You can't go back and fix it. Like I was talking with someone recently and they like, they spoke with their parent about something, um, that had happened and it, it, there still was a disconnect and, you know, still having to be like, this might never change. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, and so what do you do with that? You just kind of have to go and you go, okay, this still hurts. Am I going to allow this to affect me? Um, you know, am I going to give it to the Lord? Am I going to, do I need to set boundaries? Like it, it can come to that. I think there are, especially like the older you get, if you do have a relationship with your family, like I think boundaries are, very helpful in a lot of ways, but it is still a process and a journey of walking that out of, um, you know, where am I at? Where is my heart that I can open this amount that I can, I can love, I can give, I can, um, be there. I can, I can almost tolerate the stings of certain things. Um, and where do I, I actually have to draw a boundary and protect areas of my heart. Like, like, what do you think our responsibility is? Like, even as a child, if you have parents and it's, it's still wounding to you, like, do we have a responsibility to like, not in an abusive way, obviously that there needs to be firm boundaries, but like, like, do you have to work it out? Is that kind of what you're saying? Not even maybe work it out like with them, but in your heart, like, am I still responsible to put myself in situations that are going to cause me pain because because it's the family and that's the yeah, most exactly. important thing. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's more of a question that I'm throwing out there. Like a theological, I, or I, I, I think mean, it's a philosophical yeah. question. I think it's choosing to give grace, but giving grace and choosing to love and value someone uh, is, is a beautiful thing, but not to the level that it puts you in harm's way. Um, I think you also have to look at your own life and say, uh, okay, if a, a, if something gets triggered by a negative experience, look at yourself and say, do I have any power to change that? So now I just have to deal with the trigger inside of me yeah. and resolve that on the inside of me so I'm not moved by that. Now, if it is really harmful, you yeah. just draw the boundaries yeah. and you don't go there. But if it's just personality quirks or attitudes or critical words or, you know, some people just are not pleasant people. Some people 
are still writhing from their own pain and they're 60 years old still writhing in their own pain and to put yourself in that over and over is really not healthy for you but at the exact same time recognize that if you're even able to see it that shows the growth yeah. inside of you. That's what that, I was talking about, accepting the situation yeah. for what it is. And then just And being become, okay with that. Yeah, and become, you know, what you want to become. Mm-hmm. And because we don't want to spend the rest of our life using our past as an excuse to be quote unquote damaged or hurt or wounded or give excuses to our own negative behavior. It's like, no, it's just rising up. And I recognize that one of, one of my big quotes I've said for years, because the Lord spoke it to me, powerful people, uh, change what they can and choose peace in what they cannot change. And I think it's really important. We don't have the power to change or fix anyone else. And we can have those dialogues and, um, uh, or you can't sometimes. Or you can't. Yeah. That's right. And um, I know I had once, and it, I had the greatest mom in the world, and I shared something with her, and her response like shocked me in a kind of a negative way. And I thought, it's okay. Because for her to have really embraced what I said would have given her a mountain to overcome when at that time she was like 80 years old. And I go, you know what? At 80 years old, she shouldn't even have to deal with that mountain to overcome. Mm-hmm. And so I totally dropped it because I loved her. Yeah. It, 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 it's okay. And I don't need to do anything. And I love the scriptures on honoring our parents. That doesn't mean you don't draw boundaries. Honor is valuing, celebrating, caring, uh, not doing anything to harm or hurt, um, you know, to give them the honor that is due them. And you at, have to be careful not to demand that someone understands your point of view. True, exactly. Like they have to understand what they did to. Right. That that yeah. might not and, ever. That's why. That's why I go back and say, like, see it for what it is. And move on from that. It's kind of like oil and water don't mix. Reality and perfection aren't compatible either. Mm-hmm. Or re- like, I think a lot of times people want to live in utopia, like mm. it being perfect. But reality comes with imperfections. So good. Yeah. And your so ability good. to deal with those imperfections will then hopefully lead you to a better future. Because so if good. you don't deal with those imperfections and ha- look at it through a clear lens, you'll never move forward. It's kind of like if you don't accept the dirty, you'll never grow up. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be willing to say, this was jacked up, this was messed up, but I can move on from this. And so I think sometimes people fall into the trap of, I need things to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that's not reality. Mm -hmm. And so they become miserable. And because they're miserable, they make other people miserable. And eventually that dynamic will lead them to isolation because Mm -hmm. it's the walls of perfection. I need to be isolated because that's the only way that I can control everything. Mm -hmm. And that leads to dysfunction. We've talked about isolation before, but you have to be careful 
to have this expectation. It has to be exactly this. Well, that's not life. That's not reality. I think another aspect of that, Joel, is sometimes we're just saying, I want someone to understand. We're trying to get someone to understand when they're not going to ever have the ability to understand. And that's what understand. I said earlier. It's like yeah. you can't place this demand on someone yeah. to see from your perspective. It yeah. may never happen. Yes. Uh, because my reality isn't their reality. There's no way. That, I mean, you. I can have so much empathy. I can have so much co compassion. But if it isn't my experience, I can't understand. And I think often we think if I can get someone to understand and own this, it'll heal me. Yeah. And it won't heal me. I mean, it, it might be nice if they understand or they can own it, but it still won't fix it. I still have to do that inside work. I still have to work on me uh, because it's my way of thinking. It's how it is, is shaped me. And, um, you know, I look at my life and in so many ways, I saw that I was becoming my own worst enemy because some of those things that happened to me so shaped me, it caused me to do very self-destructive things. So yeah. I had to spend my life justifying my self-destructive actions when it wasn't until I took responsibility for those things that I was in a position to, well, it wasn't until I got saved, till I even had enough courage to put myself in a position to say, this, this is on you, Melody. Mm -hmm. you, you need to do the work. Because my goal is I want to be free. Yeah. And nobody else can make me free. Jesus can make me free. But no other human being, even if they're the greatest therapist in the world, if, if, they, if they really did understand me, no one can heal me. Yeah. So um, I, I think we got into more healing than how, you know, family of origin shapes us. But, you know, I think it's all I a part of... I think the answer of, to that question is, yes, it does. That family shapes you. Yeah. I think everything in life, like we are being shaped every moment of every day. As you listen mm -hmm. to this, your mind, your thoughts, you are being shaped. Yeah, words when have you power. Watch, TV, you're being shaped. When you're on the scroll, Twitter, you know, you're being shaped. It's happening all the time, whether you realize it or not. So I, I think going back to like the family issue, sometimes we put so much like this so shaped me and that could be true to a certain extent, but the amazing quality that we have as human beings is to change and mm -hmm. to cultivate a new future. That's what's beautiful. Yes, I went through hell. I went through this particular thing. But by God's grace, he's created us as beings that we are not just subject to our past, but we can then grow or even be shaped for the future yeah. by what we allow in us. That's yeah. so perfect. And And as you were talking... I thought about society has gotten so much more free to talk about the wounding, the past, the pain, and going to therapy, and, and I'm not against any of those things, but the fact is, if we listen to so much of that, then we start digging in our own selves and say, oh, what do I need to be have? Oh, yeah, my parents did that too. Oh, maybe that's why. And soon it can become popular to find out everything that was wrong with our family of origin. 
I mean, it did shape us. I can see where those things shaped me, but I never was really in a culture. But those things were so out of your control. We, yeah. Well, but I, I never. People do get to an age where they are. They have the power then to begin to allow things within their life that eventually can shape you for the good. And even as I was going through my healing, it was not a part of culture to to bring all this stuff out in the open. Yeah. And so there was this fight inside of you to overcome. And it was by God's grace. It was me. You know what I mean? It was by those things. But I'm thinking about now uh, in the culture of today when it's inundating shows and, and YouTube and everybody, well, it's just all out from there. The, the credit you get for being a victim. Yeah. In our society. There you go. Like the more victimhood that you've experienced, the the truer your or like the more validity that you have. Or I can't think the of the story, your story. This is my story. It, it's kind of that, funny because I've seen people that had horrific family mm-hmm. uh situations mm-hmm. and they're like they're my dad, they're my mom, I'm going to reach out, I'm going to love them. And then then we have ones that, like, they didn't let me watch the Smurfs, and I am <laughs> damaged because of this, and this is just unacceptable. They kept me in a religious environment, I couldn't watch the Smurfs. He-Man, he, I needed He-Man. You know, I'm, I'm being funny, but... No, no, it, no but yeah. you are so right, like, Joel. You see one that is actually horrific and yeah. and damaging and traumatic, and then you have ones that you're like, well, you know, but I get, I was listening to a podcast that they say, if your trauma was a 10 and the 10 was, uh, someone cut you off in traffic, well, that was your 10. So it might not be a 10 in like in the view of society, but 10 is 10 for whoever experiences. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but I've heard it. Yeah. So maybe we want to add that to add more confusion to this podcast. <laughs> Well, it goes to your perception. Yeah, that's your that's what they're saying. Like your ten is your ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though in the scheme of things, it might not be a ten, but it's a ten to you. Right. Yeah. So maybe no Smurfs is a ten. <laughs> maybe the lack of human is. Yeah, and you didn't have cable or anything growing up, did you, Joe? Your what was your favorite movie, Joe? You grew up on it. John Wayne movies. Oh, John Wayne. Yeah, and the Alamo. You went to school and talked about how great the Alamo was, and the kids are looking at you <laughs> like that was like old fogey stuff. And you were, and it was Shirley Temple for Rebecca. Shirley well, it's Temple funny. and Aaron's mom. She, I don't want to characterize her in the wrong way, but she is more on the lines of like seeing spiritual things in a lot of stuff. And so I always send her like texts like. We were at the store and there was a Dungeons and Dragons shirt. And I took a picture of this. I was like, Aiden wants this, but I said, we have to clear it with you first to make sure. (laughs) (laughs) Or we had the joke of like, we're watching a movie. We're like, no one tell Maul about this. Okay. No one bring this up. That's funny. Praying for your soul, (laughs) your spirit. And now she just says, oh, Joel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if we just uh, opened more cans of worms in this process, but... um, I I just want to add, like, we talked about 
like obviously a lot of this is digging into the past and then what do we do with it in the present um i'm also mindful of the future and maybe it's because i don't have children at this point but um mm. like i've just learned about again i'm not a scientist but like epigenetics you can actually change the genetics yes. <laughs> eyes just got really big like what mm-hmm. is she talking about but like you know, there's trauma patterns genetically. Like we pass down, like you, it might not have even been your trauma, but because of your DNA, yes. it does affect you in some ways. Same with addiction and other things like that. Um, but you actually, the, the choices that I make now will actually affect future generations. Um, and so just keep, I keep that in my mind of sometimes we are so trying to repair the past for the sake of the present. Like mm. I need to, I need to heal from what happened to me so that I can live a happy life now. Um, but what if we started thinking what I do with my this point today yeah. is going my to moment. affect yeah. the future. Yeah. And I think that's a much more powerful yes. um, mode of operation. And that might take digging into the past that might take that, but I, I, I don't even think we always have to go digging. I think if you, uh, as things come up, deal with it. But in the present, just walking with the power um, and the authority to know that my decisions for uh, my insides, my my heart, my body, my soul right now are going to affect the future. That and that it's neuroscience, and it says every thought you have affects your DNA. So every single DNA strand in your body is affected by the thoughts you have. Mm -hmm. And so if we are living in in the past, allowing it to define our present, then what are we rehearsing? But if we say, this is... This is the person I want to become. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm going to be more conformed to the image of Christ. This is what, and you could be married and even have children, but you still can begin to model something that begins to shape the way they are thinking. You know, I believe generationally, because if if you look at my husband's family, you look at my past, uh, you can see those things coming in, but Joel has made a decision to parent better than we parented him. And his goal and I is think to you see- can do that out of spite. You can do oh, that no, out of out of anger. Yeah, it's like I'm not gonna do that. Like <laughs> like you can make those decisions in that way, and I think or, that's gonna affect your kids. Yeah, I agree. Or you can say, Just Hey, say, this is what it was. I'm gonna learn. This and is grow. what it is. <laughs> this is what I'm hoping it will be. I want to be more conformed to the image of Christ, so I will be able to take it up a notch. Yeah. And then Joel says, and I want my, I want to be able to look and see my children being better parents than I was. Mm-hmm. And and see, that's if you want to take uh, epigenetics or if you want to take generational, you know, we could talk about generational sins and curses, but we can also talk about generational blessings. And But it's so true that our DNA is shaped by how we think. And so if our thoughts and our ways align with heaven, what is that doing to our DNA? Mm-hmm. Wow, that is really powerful right there. And so if we begin to do that, what are we reproducing into our children? And even with my grandkids, it's like, yeah, they, uh, they I did not give birth to these grandkids, but I have influence generationally by what I say, what I do, how I treat them. And um, 
it helps shape them. Mm-hmm. And and so if their thoughts, you know, are are healthy thoughts, it is impacting their DNA. And so I love what you shared, Katie, because instead of focusing on the past, I'm looking and saying, this is the person I can become. And I can do that with Christ. Mm-hmm. I can do that in Christ. And yeah, because we have all the tools. We don't have to get them. We've got them. The Spirit of God dwells inside of us. I think one of the reasons why this conversation kind of more focused on the negative aspects of our family shaping you is probably because most of the stories are that. We don't hear too many stories. My family was so amazing. I'm set set up because of what my family did and how they shaped me. That might happen once in a while, but most of the times you hear that. So I think that's why we focus more on that. But Mm -hmm. that's why I made the joke about I suffer from good parenting, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And and one thing I want to say about um, my experience is, Elise, because we've been having conversations of even you saying, wow, I see some negative things that you're struggling with, and that was because of me. So... I'm very fortunate because of that, because very few parents are going to say, yeah, I messed up. Mm-hmm. I screwed you up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is awesome for me. So we can end on the positive because, note. Because of- then you can, re- <laughs> and you can recognize then that that is not me. That came externally. That is not who I am. Yeah, I'm just saying I'm very fortunate because we're actually able to have this dialogue of saying, yeah, yeah, you got that from me and that wasn't really good. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, I would say most people don't have that unless they're married to someone who wants to love all humanity or uh, (laughs) in the family of... uh... (laughs) It just... It shows God's amazing thread of redemption woven into us. Isn't it amazing? Honestly, if we desire, you know, to honor God with our lives, he, heaven and earth will move on our behalf. He has not left us as orphans. Oh, my gosh. He is constantly working on us. And I, I love talking about and, and it's just now I have a relationship with the Father, and it's just so beautiful. And I look and I, I realize that in the midst of all my stupid years, in the midst of all those crazy things that I might have done, that uh, he was not moved because he, he knows the beginning from the end. And he knows where I'm going. He knows where my kids are going. He knows where my grandkids are going. And... Um, when we lean upon him, then he's truly the author and the finisher of our faith. Well, and I also think, like, as you were talking, I don't know that it was an accident. I'm sure not. Um, but like that God um, calls himself father mm-hmm. and that Jesus is brother and that, you know, Holy Spirit, there's mothering aspects mm-hmm. there. So I, I think it is true. Like, it doesn't mean like, if you look to God, it's all like sunshine and roses. <laughs> like I wouldn't say that, but I do think that he is a God who, um, fills in gaps. So if you didn't have, um, if you didn't have the the good family experience that you should have, or if you had a good family experience, it still had gaps because we're people, um, like he is really good at filling gaps that, mm-hmm. that need filled. Mm-hmm. It can be hard if, 
your family experience was them representing God in a wrong way. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But but still, even in that, um, when I run to him, you know, and which can be hard if it was always presented that God, or if there are leaders in our life, and I think I think that's one honor we have. in pastoring a local church, because we have the ability to mo- model spiritual mothering and fathering, as it were, in a way that doesn't manipulate, doesn't um, function in, um, oh, what's the word I'm trying to think? Authoritarian, dominant, you know, pardon? Control. Unhealthy control. Unhealthy control, abuse control. Um, you know, all those type of things when the more healthier we are, well, haven't, we've seen people gain health when we never even counseled them. Why? By being it, by treating them in a way that is healthy, causes them to see themselves uh, through a different lens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I hear someone say, you know, I always believe this about me, but now this is what I see. I mean, that's like a high for me because one, I know the spirit of God's moving in their life. But secondly, I also know that the culture, because what a local church, every local church will have its own culture. And so if we can strive to have a healthy culture, that doesn't mean every person in it has arrived. It just means we have a culture that we can grow and advance and be healed, that in that place, it allows them you know, to have what, to receive from the Lord, to to recognize what God says about them is really true to who they are. That that can be very, very healing for people, and I see it. Yeah. Well, I have the joy of um, editing these podcasts, so, I mean, if we can wrap it up. (laughs) Uh, Well, no, I, I said that also because I think it was like a couple episodes ago, Katie wanted to institute a drinking game. I so, did. Yeah, yeah. Huh. You said every time we say all of humanity, oh. <laughs> you got to take a drink of something. Water. So, vit- vitamin water, preferably. <laughs> yeah, I don't. We don't need. I became an alcoholic because <laughs> <God>. uh, <laughs> Pastor Melody said all of humanity so many times. I think you were well on your way. If that's what <laughs> yeah. set you over the edge. <laughs> I think you say it more than I do to try to reinforce that I say it all the time. I think I wrote it in an that's intro a, the other day. That's an accusation that I don't accept. <laughs> Are we going to have some family drama? Right no, here, we right live now. in separate houses, so it works out. We can go our separate ways. We, we've always been honest in our communication. <laughs> hey, it has to work. I mean, for, be, for me to do what I'm doing, like, it's not just family dynamics. We work together. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a journey. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll we'll shut this one down. We'll say all the things you need to say. Yes, we would very much appreciate if you would right now, this moment. Do it now. You can pause it as soon as I say these words and go uh, rate our podcast. We would love if you would hit that five stars for us. 
Um, and then just write a review, even if it's just like love the show or um, makes me laugh or learn something today. It can be very, very short. Um, but if you would just leave that review for us, we would very much appreciate it. Texting Katie does not count. No, you know, no, it doesn't. You have to actually do you have it to go yourself. Online. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little bit of effort, but it's very minimal. <laughs> Katie's like, I get these Easiest messages and say, today. oh, it was great. Love That's this. That's true. Yeah, I can't I can't input your your text message as a review from you. It doesn't yeah. work that way. And nobody likes the person that leaves a review for themselves. <laughs> so um yeah, so we would love it if you do that. And even tell a friend, you yeah. know. No one wants to be that person the podcast person that says you need to listen to this, but be that person for us. <laughs> for share, us. <laughs> share the love. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all we got for you today. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.